Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going fantastic. I hope all you Liberty Expert Nation people out there are subscribers. Hit that subscribe button. Smash it, as the kids say now. Just smash that subscribe button. Uh, turn on the notification so that you get notified every time one of these videos drops. And uh, stay tuned because we've got big things coming. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, David, I guess you could say. I feel like a load's off, David. I feel like there's my, my shoulders are light. I, I, it's weird. I've been libertarian leader for so long. You feel like I was pretty sad to, to submit my uh, letter of um, just saying that I'm be stepping down in August. And, you know, because who am I now? Like, I've been the libertarian leader for seven years. And, you know, so my initial response was, man, uh, this is, feels like the end of an era. What am I going to do with my life? Like, I know I'm going to disappoint a lot of people and I feel sad. I don't know what's going to what I'm going to be when I grow up. But I, at the same time now, I feel just like, ah, like a burden is off my back. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I feel I, the load is lighter. Like I have a bit more freedom or something all of a sudden, you know, I don't have to think of the immense responsibility that comes with, um, making sure I, I, uh, am, am living up to people's expectation and, and what they deserve in terms of, uh, rep uh, someone who represents their philosophy and what they, they really think is a beautiful philosophy or something. But anyways, yeah. yeah. Well, so I appreciate that. And, and if people want to hear about your reasons for stepping down and that sort of stuff, we, we have an earlier episode on that. And in that episode, you also talk about the five things you expect from the next leader of the party and what they'd have the criteria they'd have to meet in order to get your support. And in this yeah. video, I want to talk about me potentially running. I want to get All right, David. thoughts, tell you what I think about what I might do for the party and just talk, kind of think out loud. Because I read your letter yesterday or I read the news and right away I was thinking about whether or not I should run. Um, I'll right. say up front, I, I only meet four of your five criteria because I don't technically hate the state. I don't technically think the state is evil. But, you know, you and I have very similar views on the purpose of the state. So I'll just be upfront that I, I do not technically meet the first criteria. Um, but um, basically, like, I, I do think it's an exciting opportunity. Well, I, I think you do, actually, David, and I'll tell you why. Um, if you re actually read that, um, that essay that I attached to it, it by Rothbard, he is talking about uh, actually another anarchist. He, Rothbard's an anarcho-capitalist and he's talking, the letter is specifically because he was aggrieved or kind of irritated by this other anarcho-capitalist named David Friedman, who's Milton Friedman's son. Um, and Milton Friedman didn't come at his views from a kind of deontological perspective or a principle perspective. It was more of, we need to get rid of the state because the evidence shows that um, outcomes will be better without the state, right? And Rothbard was just venomous towards this approach. He hated that yeah. approach because he's like, you know, it, it, like you get the impression from that guy that he would be okay with a bit of evil if it just worked better, right? Right, right. And, and so, so definitely I'm a principled yeah. person, not a pragmatist. It's not about what works or what doesn't. But the difference is in objectivism, the state is a good, not a necessary evil. It needs to be reduced to its only three roles, 
but it is yes. good. But that's like but 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 an, an objectivist would think would not look at um, in theory at least would not look at outcomes as determining whether that was a moral action or not. Right. Like definitely they, not they, they start with a principle and they adhere to that principle, even if the outcomes aren't as good as someone would prefer, um, you know, if the state were involved or something. So, right. And also um, like anything else the state could do is, would be evil, right? Like anything right. other than the three purposes, the police, the army and the judiciary, anything else the state would attempt is evil. Right. right. And, and the thing too, to understand is that Rothbard has probably a different definition of the state than an objectivist would like to Rothbard. He's very clear that the state is um, the, is an institution that that uh, exerts a, a monopoly through force over geography um, that violates consent and and violates the non-aggression principle. That's mm. what differentiates it from every other organization. Now, objectivists think that you can have an organization like that that doesn't violate the non-aggression principle, and and so you know. Rothbard would be fine with with whatever uh, like an object you know and and he even says in the essay like give me a minarchist objectivist who who hates what he calls the state right an organization right. that violates a non-aggression principle I'll take that any day over an ANCAP who is coming at it from this pragmatist perspective right. all right well first check so you hate the state David whether you in, in my definition anyways well, I certainly hate 99% of the state, right? So it's, again, we don't want to quibble over the 1%, right? But right. so if people want to see the five things that you outlined, they can check it out on your yeah, Facebook I think there's... or on our last YouTube podcast. Um, but I want to talk about, yeah, I want to get your thoughts. So like, I got pretty excited by the idea of running, right? Like I do have a political background, um, not in federal politics. I was volunteering. I was a liberal when I first came out of university and that turned me off really quickly. But I have tons of organizational experience redesigning student organizations. I've met with politicians on behalf of the Canadian engineering profession, both conservatives and liberals, um, when I was like really into the engineering field. Um, and I really think I could be a breath of fresh air, right? I have a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. Um, mm -hmm but I don't have like a lack of experience or maturity for my age, which I think is really exciting. Um, you know, two of the things that I think I would focus on is one new media, right? I think like that's what I've been working on media, understanding YouTube podcast, TikTok in particular, and understanding how do we get the message out there? If we want to make new libertarians, the, the best tools right now are social media. How do, like one of the most viral things you did was a meme, right? And now TikTok is almost a meme engine, right? And so how do we leverage these new media to advance liberty as much as possible? And I really think I'd be uh, a great person to sort of lead that charge. Um, and I have a wide network of people now from even outside of the Libertarian Party who would be willing to engage in that. And so if the party resources were available and the, and the people in the party, I think we could really hit a home run. And then the one thing I also really think is valuable and I would focus on is organizational development, right? Not, not necessarily from the president's perspective, but thinking long-term, what is the way, what is the 10-year strategy to actually you know, make the most libertarians? Um, thinking about, again, 
from the media perspective, but also from an organizational health perspective. Uh, like you said, you've been waiting for someone to be able to take your shoes, right? And that was a big focus of what I've done in the past is succession planning. How do you create roles and create a pipeline so that you always have leaders being developed in the, yeah. or in the mechanism, in the way you want them to as an organization? And so working with the board and the membership to define that I think is exciting. And then also from a, you know, I think it would be possible to find, create a strategy and find a way that within 15, 20 years or less, we get a seat in parliament, right? You have to be really careful about how you budget and how you um, target, right? The Green Party targeted one place for a long time and had their leader run in that place and eventually got elected. I think that would be really interesting as well. Not that that's the most important thing, but it's certainly very fascinating. Um, yeah. And and if and on top of that, like I do have, I'm I'm very well read or relatively well read in read in objectivism. I've not read many of the other thinkers, but I would definitely have the capacity to right. I, I'm working for myself full time now, and I should be able to maintain that sustainably into the future. So I have the time to dedicate one to the theory and two to the party in theory as well. Um, and I think I would be a very good person in terms of uniting and representing a different side of liberty, right? I think that um, all of the political parties are sort of stale in their messaging, but I think mm -hmm. what you and I have talked about is a lot of personal responsibility, but also I think showing that liberty is love, liberty is compassion, liberty is letting people live their life and pursue their values, which is really about motivation by love, not motivation by fear fear of the state, don't do what's wrong. And I think that is a message that will really resonate with younger people. I see it both in the in the millennials I talk to and the Gen Z's that are on TikTok. Um, and so I really think like that's an exciting thing. And I bring that perspective. And I've also spent two years talking to you about every single topic either of us could think of, which yeah. uh, hasn't hurt. And so I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, I've only thought about it for a day, but I'm definitely pretty jazzed at the opportunity. Um, and even if I couldn't win, I think running would be a good opportunity for me. And I have a, like, this is all I did for five years, uh, you know, from 20 to 25, basically. Um, and so I've taken a break while I've been focusing on my mental health and this sort of thing. But, um, you know, I've always been interested in politics. I think it's a, an important and powerful tool. Um, and I'd, I'd always like historically, since I was a kid, been planning some sort of political uh, trajectory. And so, um, you know, when I saw it right away, I was like, oh, this seems like it might be good. What do you think? What do you think of what I'm well, throwing at you? I, I, I mean, you're definitely a good salesman. You're, you're selling me on the idea. Um, you know, uh, the, the thing I would caution anyone who steps into this role as is that um, you'll be under a lot of scrutiny and you, you will get a lot of... Uh, negativity thrown your way and you know that can be wearing on your mental health um even if you're a very resilient um person and the and you know so so i'll, I'll let you know some of the downsides of it so that's one of them uh another I is that to the downside i want to i want to counter sure yeah absolutely 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 so, so i have a lot of experience i was infamous as uh, as a student, as an undergrad, I was known, like I have experience with national organizations, provincial organizations as well. And I was like, I've, I have lots of experience getting hated. Um, you know, it's not the best thing, but it's actually a good sort of lesson I learned. 
I used to get lots of hate uh, comments um, on my Facebook, on anonymous postings, and even across Canada, I would go to conventions and meet people who before they ever met me in person already had a severe dislike, if not hatred for me. So I do have lots of experience with that. And I, I am able to sort of let it roll off my back. And now I'm getting back into it because I have like, I'm, you know, a modest 13,000 followers on TikTok, but they're not popular there. I'm not, you know, I'm talking openly about my views of my own intelligence, about Ayn Rand and very unpopular things, especially for right. the younger generations and um, water off, yeah. water off a duck's back, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, a lot, a, a big part of being a leader too, is dealing with, uh, all the fires and infighting that come up. Right. And it really takes a lot of your energy. Um, you know, so one of the th pieces of advice I'd have to anyone who steps into that role is to try and outsource that, like, like build up boundaries, where other people take care of that stuff and you focus on what you're good at, which is, uh, you know, for the leader, it should be messaging and getting out in front of the, the public. Um, but there will be times where because you're the front man and you wield all the influence and everyone looks to you for how to how we should be responding to the situation, you're going to spend a lot of time uh, dealing with um, how, diplomacy and, and how to kind of deal with stuff. And it can be kind of frustrating at times. Um, but it's, you know, kind of part of the job as well. So, you know, I, and I suspect you probably wouldn't, would be uh, decent at that as well. Um, yeah, um, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm a lot better at it than I used to be. Like in my former life, it was like, you know, burn bridges, burn like scorched right. earth uh, path. Uh, and, and it didn't work, right? I got to the top and I wasn't happy there. So um, yeah. I, I definitely have understood that. And one, the one thing that I've always been very good at is motivating people to work, right? To volunteer their time, right? Mm. I've, ha I've managed teams up to 400 people of volunteers. Um, and, and, you know, in the past, I've been told many times that I could not get enough people to want to do the thing in order to actually achieve it, right? But there's the whole, there's that thing, you know, teach, uh, if you want to build a ship, don't, like, you know, get men and divide orders. You have to teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And I've right. always been very good at motivating people to volunteer their time and to do that work. And then that does let me focus on managing them and managing sort of the relationships itself um, and the diplomacy, which is sort of my favorite thing is how do you create a healthy organization, a healthy movement? This is what I've been um, basically focused on for three or four years and why I worked for the Ayn Rand Institute as well, because, you know, they claim they have a different goal, a different view than the Libertarian Party, but that's what they claim to be working on as well. So I was like, okay, well, I'll work with you then if we're both trying to, you know, make a freer, more rational society. Um, yeah. The one thing that comes to mind that I will add, though, is is about, you know, the, the unifying the 95% and, and putting aside the 5%. One thing that I'll, I'll be honest about that I think might be different between your and my approach, uh, if I were to win, I'm already ready to throw you out, <laughs> um, is like I, I, I agree in, with letting the different views in, but I think you have a lot of patience and acceptance for people's irration, like just overt irrationality, which I think weakens the party, right? So mm -hmm. when people are conspiracy theorists and this sort of thing, and they are treated equally to the five people with different views on an issue, 
that is that is where I think there's an issue. So like you said, you you want to vet you know, some of the candidates is because there are people involved in the party who we don't want to kick them out and, and marginalize them totally if they if we're the only home they have. But we need to figure out how to how to deal with them appropriately such that the party becomes more legitimate, because I think the the hardest time I have is, you know, if I'm standing up or you're standing up advocating something and then the guy next to us who claims to represent the same views is advocating it because of the Illuminati, right? Um, right. That's, so, that's the one thing that came to mind uh, that um, would be controversial in, in my approach. And so it's uh, better to be upfront about it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in my experience, that uh, that approach can, can create a lot of headaches and hassles for you, you know, because you you speak out against one person or, you know, you turn down their candidacy for X reason because you don't want to endorse them. Uh, you get an army of people uh, saying you're not libertarian and how dare you. And like you, you now, now you're in a fight of defending yourself and all sorts of things. Right. So in, in my experience, the best way to deal with people who have kind of unattractive views, let's say that don't necessarily paint our philosophy in the best light is to outshine them and say, well, that, that's not what I believe. That's not what the party stands for, but they, this is a libertarian party. They're free to have their beliefs and you know, we're not going to deny them candidacy right. or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how I approach it. Um, you know, and therefore, but uh, yeah, look, I, I encourage you to put your name forward if you're if you're feeling it, man. Uh, come to come to uh, convention. You know, I've, I know of at least four people now that I think are interested. I'd love to see a, an actual kind of vigorous debate happen. It's been a while since we had something like that. Uh, like when I first ran for libertarian leader, the guy I was running against didn't even show up to convention. So I basically got a unanimous vote uh, as leader. And so it'd be nice to see a bunch of candidates actually show up and spark you, some conflict, I guess, or constructive conflict. What do you think my conflict. chances are as an outsider? I'm a 29-year-old, I'm, I'm youthful, yeah. but I'm, quote, inexperienced, many people will think, and I've not actually been involved with the Libertarian Party before. All I have is, uh, you know, our podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, the odds would be a little bit stacked against you just because people don't know you enough, like people in the party uh, don't know you enough to know whether they can fully trust you or not. Um, but I think you show up and you, you run or, you know, you, you may want to even consider like running for deputy leader or something like that, um, because, um, you know, there's always a good chance that this is volunteer politics. You know, we, we lose a president almost every year or two because it's it's tough and the reward is shit and abuse that's what you get paid literally as leader or any of the positions and so it's difficult on people and it's difficult and, and you'll find too like you're a go-getter and you want to get things done you have this vision like this is where we need to go guys um but then you you deal with a board that is skeptical of your position and maybe not sold on it and you get frustrated and kind of pull what little hair left you have out of your head and, and be like, you know, we'll, we'll, it, it, it kind of wears you down and grinds you down over time. Um, so, you know, like, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you, you should think about like if the leader really appeals to you, you know, and deputy leader, I think you have a good chance of winning that for sure. Um, 
uh, or even like a president position, like the kind of energy you have right now, I would love to have a president who had that kind of vision and organizational skills. And because one of my, my um, things, you know, that I was pushing for, but really, this comes down to the president is, we need to really institutionalize the party. And by that, I mean, we need to be able to put anybody into any role and and the party shouldn't collapse if people leave a role and we have to fill it with someone else. They yeah. should be able to look at the job description, look at a body of knowledge and work and policy manuals and different things like that and be able to know exactly what to do in that position. We need that kind of organization and, you know, and, and like our, we're getting better at our database and our website, different things like that. So, you know, it may be that like the president role and president really does control the party uh, primarily. It's more of a background role, but um, it's it's probably the most important role um, well, next to the leader yeah. um, in the party. Yeah. So, you know, consider, th think like I, I want to see you involved in one way or another and, and um, you know, dipping your toes in and um you know i i don't know i, I think your chances of leader maybe are okay but I, I suspect there'll be some people that have been around the party for a while that uh people kind of trust that might have a better shot um but uh, i would never discourage you from from stepping up and at least giving them a run for their money and holding their feet to the fire and you know um yeah i appreciate I that i think that's always good the um I used to like love policy. Like I used to spend weekends doing nothing but like drafting policy manuals and constitutions for the different organizations wow. I ran. I, it was so fun. And like looking at like five different best examples, how do you make this as, as like bulletproof as possible? Um, I realized you can't make anything truly idiot proof. That is uh, something I've realized, but yeah. uh, it's still really fun to try. Um, and yeah, I yeah. think like, I definitely think. And I mean, the thing is as president, you can you can build the organization as big as you want like we want ideally organizers everywhere we want uh like an electoral district association is kind of like the local organizing part of the party we we need to build up edas in in every all yeah. the 330 some ridings across canada and uh create manuals for them and create supports for them and like um you know, yeah. build up a, like an organizational structure and that all falls under the president. Like the leader literally has no one that they're in charge of. All they are is kind of like the front man out there yeah. talking in front of the mic and um, they, they come up with the platform and, you know, they might have a little team ar around them in terms of their, the leader's office, but you don't have any real organizational authority. It's just that you, you know, yeah, well, it's definitely I'll, I'll I'll think about it. I don't know if I would do deputy leader, but I could do board like board seat or something like yeah. that. Like, I think it's time for me to jump back into politics of some sort. I need to get used to putting myself back out there generally. Right. Like I sort of removed myself from the public for three or four years. And I did a lot of work on understanding sort of strategy, psychology, uh, media and these sorts of things while dealing with my own stuff. But I'm starting to put myself out there again. I'm growing an audience on TikTok. I'm going to be, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be the face of my company and it's going to be controversial issues, controversial topics. And so I need to get back out there, get that um, practice back in. And I also think like, I agree with you that the Libertarian Party is so important because it's like, otherwise we have to abandon Canada, right? Like it's like, okay, I can move to the States and hope it survives. 
but who's going to save Canada? I do appreciate yeah. Canada. I do value Canada. Um, and so it's like, you know, if there's something I can do to help it as a country, rather than, you know, doing all of my business in the States because I'm, I'm freer there and that sort of thing, like how can I still help my home and, and the people I care about who live there, even if they don't appreciate or understand how I'm helping them? Um, you know, it's definitely a good opportunity. So I, I, I'm likely to come to the convention and run. The one thing I'd put forward as a recommendation to you and, as, and the organizers is have it so that like if someone wants to run for leader and loses, they still have the opportunity to run for other positions. Some organizations do it all at once. So you have to pick one. Um, and I think that discourages good candidates from being in lower positions. Yeah. And that's one of the things like typically in the past, um, I don't. I'm, I, I'm not sure if our bylaws allow that or not. We'll have to look. I'm sure, you know, if there's a way, because I, I agree with you because we've had some people, really good people put their name forward for different positions and then they don't lose it or they don't win it and um, they can't put their name forward for another position or something. Yeah. But um, At yeah. least leader, like the one thing we used to do is at least put the president or the leader separate and then everything else because it's like, it's, yeah. there's clearly a distinction there. You don't yeah, want to and, pick you with like, you know, 15 elections, right? But like sort of two. Um, right. And I mean, what you can do, because the president isn't elected by membership at convention. He's They're appointed by the board. So, um, you know, in the past, what we've done is we've, it, we've put it out to members, like almost like a job application, where we'll interview members who are interested in being president and try to find the best one. Um, and, but there's nothing saying that uh, a board member can't be president as well. Mm. Um right um i don't think anyways but uh yeah so so you know th there's some things to think about there um you know you definitely have good bona fides for a president position i think um you know you'd be a hard candidate to beat for that in terms of if i were on the board looking at who would be a good at building out the organization and who has the organizational skills and the enthusiasm to motivate because that's a real big issue right it's like <clears throat> you know it's like the president is probably the most difficult role in the sense that you have to have an administrative mind but you also kind of have to be a motivator and kind of yeah. charismatic because you you're working with a volunteer force who isn't getting paid for this and their their motivation wanes over time and so you have to keep on them and you have to like find what motivates them and stuff and usually those are two different personality types right like the motivator yeah. is usually not very good at like the details and dotting i's and crossing t's and make sure we're legally in compliance with elections canada and making sure policies are being built like that that kind of mindset is is different than rah rah team let's go let's focus on the goal and if you can find a candidate that can do both of those things that is to me an ideal president Cool. Well, we shall see. Everyone should stay tuned for my announcement if I end up running and let me know if, if you've been a Liberty expert follower for the past two years or less, then uh, let me know what you think of my potential candidacy. And I, I'm yeah. sure I'll hear more from Tim in the future about it as well. Well, definitely. And I mean, look, even if you're not a party member, you should come to convention, just get a membership and come and hang out with David and I. Um, and, you know, there'll be some other interesting guests there. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to invite Gabriel Shear, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago about his uh, project in Saskatchewan, where he's bringing building a libertarian town, essentially. And how is that going to look? So I'm, I'm interested to hear him speak and, and talk to members about uh, the solutions that people are actually generating out there that aren't 
aren't don't have to do with shifting the entire culture so that we can get freedom. They're actually building freedom uh, from the ground up. So I, I think you know you'll you'll find some kindred spirits and you'll have some fun there if nothing else. So I encourage you to come to Edmonton. That'll be mid August and and get a membership and you'll you'll get updates on that as well. So cool. Thanks, Tim. You bet. Mm-hmm.